welcome everyone. You are listening to another milestone episode of the Whole Home Podcast. Apparently, anything after 20 is a significant milestone to hit, and it means that your podcast is probably going to stick around for a while. So, wahoo! And it is fitting that on this great day, I would have a very cherished guest with me. My guest is one of my dearest friends in the whole world, so dear that I almost forget that we aren't blood sisters sometimes. And that woman is Ashley Clapp. Welcome. Thank you. And I don't normally do this, but I wanted to pray at the start of this podcast. And Ava actually encouraged me to do the same thing. So um, if you don't mind praying with me, Ashley. Sure. Um, thank you, Lord, for your provision, help, and power. And Holy Spirit, I am weak. Ashley is weak, but you have filled us with the fullness of Jesus. So thank you, and may we glorify you today. Amen. Amen. So first we have to get to, I think, how we met, which is a really funny story. <laughs> I think you, you say it. I, I think you have to tell how, <laughs> because I have a memory, but I don't know when we actually met, met. Yeah. Do you remember the year, though? Oh, gosh. It had to I'm, have been, I don't know, 2000 something. Seven? Seven. Maybe. Seven, maybe. Well, either 2007, 2008. Yep. Somewhere in there. Long time ago. So yeah. we met because my family, or, or Ryan and I, really, were looking for a church, and we didn't have a car when we moved to um, Virginia. So we had to look at churches that we could walk to, and we tried so many churches, and there's a whole story about why we chose the church that Ashley happened to be at. Um, but it was her parents' church. What was it? Just Vineyard? Just yeah, vineyard. vineyard Church. Just Vineyard Church. Mm-hmm. And we showed up one day, and then Ryan told me, because I was like, gosh, I don't remember. He said that I was sitting or something, and Michael had a piercing in his lip. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he, he came up and talked to me, and Ryan was like, why is that guy talking to my wife? <laughs> and then do you remember what you said? I, he thinks it was the second Sunday that we gathered with your church. And... um You said something funny, like, do you remember? I don't. Okay, so both (laughs) Ryan and I remember that you said, we're going to be best friends forever. And you said, and the only reason why we won't be friends is if you stop being friends with me. (laughs) So here we are, 2023. Yeah, I just, I remember you being at my mom's house for Christmas, which is really odd because we never have people over for Christmas dinner outside of family. So that was kind of an interesting uh, Yeah time that was fun tons of food mm-hmm. and yeah friends forever yeah um i guess if you want i'm already i haven't recorded a podcast in a month so i'm forgetting the flow <laughs> but i guess it's soil so your background and where you grew up go for it i grew up mostly in mechanicsville virginia here not far from here and my parents divorced when i was really young mm-hmm. but we generally both were in the same area. I um, went equally to both parents, so I kind of spent a lot of time never really settled, always one place or the other. Has Mechanicsville changed much? Uh, Yes, but even that even happened when I lived there because I was on one side of Mechanicsville while I was growing up. The high school I went to was built, Mm -hmm. so I ended up going to that school partly because, well, I went to the middle school because it was the new school. And my parents were in two different districts, so I was able to do that. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot more grown up now than it once was. But my, I mean, my family is forever from Mechanicsville. Like my great grandparents on one side were born a mile from each other in Mechanicsville. Great, 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 great grandparents. So, I mean, like all of my family was in Mechanicsville or in Hanover forever until I got to be like a teenager, and then my mom moved out of the out of Mechanicsville. Wow, were they like specific kinds of tradespeople or? It's like, oh, they're the, I don't know, tractor people. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> so my on my mom's side, my grandfather was a farmer. Okay. And he was also involved in some local politics, just like board of supervisor, stuff like that. Um, his father before that was also a farmer, but he settled in Hanover, but I don't know that he was super involved in farming at that time. Mm-hmm. And then my dad's side, his father 
they had an uh, appliance business in Mechanicsville. Cool. So that was kind of how they, so their name is known because of that. So like Lipscomb, mm-hmm. which is my maiden name, people will know because of Lipscomb Service, the store. Yeah. But then Woods was because they'll be like, oh, Colin Woods, is that your grandfather? So like. That's fun. Yeah. I bet your kids love that. Yeah, that's fun. When you go to visit, were you the only child? No, I am the oldest child okay. of, I have five brothers, two sisters, and then like an adopted brother mm-hmm. um, who we consider a brother. And, but they're kind of split. I was the only between my parents and then they divorced when I was separated when I was like 18 months. Then my dad had two others and two boys and my mom had two girls and three boys and then the adopted brother is on that side as well mm-hmm. was that a lot of fun sometimes <laughs> sometimes it was a little odd because i lived at both houses yeah so i wasn't with any of my siblings full-time and i had different dynamics at each because the closest to me on my mom's side was a girl closest to me on my dad's side was a boy And my brother and I were relatively close. We kind of had similar. His parents were also divorced. Mm -hmm. So he was came for the week that I came to my dad's, but then wasn't, you know, would go to his mom's when I was at my mom's. And then the other brother on that side came way later. Um, I was like 12 12 or 13 when he was born. Mm -hmm. On the other side, those the whole lot more kids. My sister and I didn't get along super well. Um, And then it was boys. And then I had a younger sister, and I've got a super young brother. So, I mean, it, it's fun now yeah. when we're uh, all get together. It's kind of interesting, fun dynamics with the family. So you were older, and you moved to the city. I'm just curious, because I think of Mechanicsville being close to Richmond, but you probably grew up thinking, like, that's the city. Yeah, it's definitely different. And even people from Mechanicsville see the city very differently than I see it because mm-hmm. I've been in it since I was 16. Um, but like my mom moving was a big deal. Her dad was not happy about it to go move to the city. And I mean, like on my dad's side, my dad is much more, he's not a believer. And, you know, he would go into Richmond to go to restaurants and to do stuff like that. Whereas my mom, their just life was different because of being my stepdad pastoring and then having a lot of kids. They didn't have the money to do stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, that whole family just very I mean like I had a cousin I mean that's just Mechanicsville and my family I have a cousin that saw the beach for the first time when she was 15. Whoa. So like people we just that was not my family to go out and travel and do stuff like that. Yeah. yeah so your parents split when you were very young and you started going back and forth as a toddler? Mm-hmm. Well, not, I guess when I was 18 months yeah. they just decided every other week um, I don't know if when I was real young, if that was different until my dad and mom got settled or if it was always that way. But they both remarried when I was like three and a half. And so by that point, I'm pretty sure it was that way. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So do you, what are some of your memories of packing up? That sounds pretty wild for a young person to be doing that. Yeah. I mean, I would take everything to school in a duffel bag with me. Um I mean, it was different when it was like over the summer and they just picked me up from the house. And then when I was older, too, it was easier because my dad would just pick me up from my mom's because I went to school in my mom's district. Mm -hmm. But in elementary school, I remember taking like my baby doll and a duffel bag to school, like and just whatever I needed. And I mostly had two sets of everything, you know, clothes at one side, clothes at the other. They generally didn't overlap unless I was wearing them. But Mm -hmm. stuff like my baby doll, that was like my prized possession. It would, I'd have to have it at both houses, so. Yeah. Yeah, so at what age did you stop doing that? Uh, probably maybe 17, mostly because I had a falling out with my stepmom at the time, and I was driving, and I was just like, I don't want to be at my dad's anymore, mm-hmm. just for that reason. I'd also, they also, because I was so far in high school, and they had just moved recently that I was like sleeping in a dining room that like closed up. Mm-hmm. That was my bedroom. So it wasn't like being there was, you know, I had my own space really. Mm-hmm. It was kind of, it's like you're on your way out anyway. So, so yeah. it was kind of an easy, easy transition to just go to my, back to my mom's where all my stuff was. Yeah. Yeah. So what kind of big sister were you? Uh, not a very 
kind big sister <laughs> definitely very bossy very um i have pretty stereotypical first oldest child tendencies very black and white mm-hmm. you know not i mean all of my siblings are very different and all of like i mean we even i went to schools and different schools than they did and just just the way it all worked out so just life was just different i was i don't know i didn't have a lot of grace fight a lot you know it was hard to having my stuff at a house that sometimes got messed with Mm -hmm. so a lot of anger a lot of just being annoyed probably my youngest siblings i've been the closest to Mm -hmm. just because they were like i'd grown up some i was an adult they'd spend the night at my house i don't know yeah uh well, so who were you closer to? You said your mom or your dad, or it probably was just hard in general because you were in school during the days. And Yeah, I mean, I definitely was, would have been closer to my mom and probably my dad. The only reason they weren't close is because of step, just having, I had two not so good stepmoms. One when I was pretty young, so I don't remember a lot. I mean, I've got some memories of just not good times, but she, I don't remember her being not being good to me. Apparently she wasn't. There was a period that I must have blocked out that she was like when they were separating that she was awful to me is what I've been told. But I just I don't remember. And then she kind of was around afterwards. She bring me birthday presents and stuff because she had my brother and our birthdays are similar timing. Yeah. But then my last stepmom, they got married, I think, when I was 11. And that was just it was tough. She did not like me. And so we just we always fought. It was just a bad it was a bad situation. I was actually going to ask who who did throw your birthday parties? Did you get two every year? Um, I didn't have many like real birthday parties, but if I probably did, they probably were separate. Generally, I mean, my parents got along. I mean, there was a period that my mom babysat my brother like after school or over the summers or something, I can't remember. So they they were cordial. You know, my dad, my step my dad, my stepdad and my mom all went to high school together. So Yeah. And like they were all friends and that wasn't super tough. It was, you know, normal parenting stuff that money and time and stuff like that would have been more. They would have had issues together talking, but they got along in person. I mean, they still do. Yeah. Do you have a memory of uh, when you were going to school? Did you have other friends that their parents were split up to or were were you the only one? So my cousin that was closest to me, her parents, she had kind of a similar situation, except she had an older brother and they were had the same parents. But then her parents got divorced and remarried about the same time as mine. Mm-hmm. And she's a little bit younger than me, but same. They would go for almost a week, whole week. Not exactly. It was kind of like they would go from like Tuesday to Sunday or something like that mm-hmm. to their dads and then would be at their mom's. So having her nearby was helpful. You know, and we actually lived two doors down for oh, no way. M- certain portion, like maybe. Which cousin? Nicole. Yeah, okay. I've met her. Yeah, she, uh, they lived, I can't remember. It was like through all of middle school or something like that and some of elementary. And so that was, I mean, that was helpful. We were definitely the closest best friends, mm-hmm. like growing up. And it was easy because we could, you know, I was going to my aunt's house to go be with my best friend. So. Mm-hmm. You so you went to public school, right? The yes. whole time, yeah. Mm-hmm. And do you what did you do there? Like, how were you in school? Um, I mean, I was always a good student, I did well. I was kind of like that, that older kid, black or white thing. Like, I needed to get good grades. I don't think my parents put that on me so much as much as me just being like, I need to do well. I went to three different elementary schools, so that was kind of hard because it was like kindergarten at one, first, second at another, then third through fifth at another. And so I didn't really get to know people but so well. And then I chose to go to a school out in a different district than after fifth grade. Mm -hmm. So then I like had to start all over. But middle school and high school, I mean... I would never do them over again. It was not a fun time <laughs> in my life. Yeah. There were fun moments, but, you know, I wasn't a popular kid. And What about the dance team you were on? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, that was not me. That was my husband. <laughs> oh, my gosh, that's right. <laughs> uh, Please me. ask Michael Clapp to show you his dance team pictures. Okay. <laughs> I'm done saying that right now. <laughs> okay, so what's what were you doing? Like science club? I don't um, know. I did band in middle school. 
And then for some reason, when I got to high school, I was like, I don't do this anymore. So I did like art. I always took art classes. That was kind of my elective. And what then, did you like to do? Did Were you a drawer? What did you do? Um, I'm trying to think. So I think I did like a basic art class. And then I did a crafts class. And that was fun. Because yeah. it was a lot of just like stained glass and jewelry making and just totally different stuff than you get in like a, you know, general art class. And then I did photography. So I'm thinking one year in high school, I didn't do an art. Wasn't that your jam uh, for a while? You photography, really liked photography. Yeah, yeah. I did. Yeah. Before oh, it became digital. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> then I had to learn a new new skill set that I just never picked up. And now who did you pass the camera to? Which kid? Asher. Asher, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. So who were you closest to? Were you friends at school? Who were they? So... So my cousin, we went to school together, middle and high school, she, but she was a grade under than me. Then I had another cousin that was in the same grade as her. Who we, we didn't live near each other, so we weren't as close, but we still spent time together. But then I had a couple, I had one really good friend in high school. Um, her name was Lindsay. and Lindsay and Ashley, yeah. classic. <laughs> I know, it was very uh, 80s names. <laughs> yeah, we we were close up until we went, until after high school, we spent a lot of time together. Um, she would definitely would have been like the closest friend. I probably spent more time with her than with my cousin at some point in high school. Just we were a lot more similar in just the things that we did and what we were about. We were like part of like the Christian club and just she had started going to like the youth group I went to, although my cousin did all those things as well. It was just different, mm-hmm. you know. Give me, now that I've said Lindsay and Ashley, I need an image in my head. So what's a typical Ashley outfit? Oh, gosh. Were you style conscious? Kind of, but I don't know that I had style. Like, I remember one year, I don't know if it was middle school or high school, but I was like, I will not wear the same outfit every day, any day of school. (laughs) And like, you know, I'd wear the same jeans, but I was like, I'm going to wear a different shirt or like whatever. I'd, I'd wear some wild stuff i've got pictures and like fake leather um silver pants and like and like the equivalent but in bright green i just what was your hairstyle long it was always long just similar to what it is now that is amazing by the way (laughs) um okay so what does your family like to remember about you oh gosh i don't know that it's usually a good thing if it's ever uh, i feel like i'm always being made fun of if it's something memory yeah I I mean you know I wasn't kind to my siblings so their the relationships were not good so it's not I mean like I said if if it's and that wouldn't have been growing up if there were good memories it would be from my young youngest sister and brother but because I was married and they would come over and spend mm-hmm. time with us um I don't know did you guys do um, family trips yeah we would go to the beach generally my dad would sometimes do some other trips he's not a huge beach person so we would do like we one time we went to the rock and roll hall of fame in cleveland i think that's where it is oh wow yeah it was fun um my mom did because being a pastor we've got a lot of pastors conferences around um usually in north northeast yeah so your parents have always as far back as you can remember pastored or you when did that start so I think the church officially started when I was 15. They were planting for however long before that. I mean, I remember the process. My When I was in third grade, my stepdad went to seminary in Kentucky. So I lived with my dad full time then, which was an interesting thing. Um, he wouldn't let me go. So I had, so I took some trips out there, but they were only gone for about a year. He ended up not doing seminary very long. I'm not even sure why, but they moved back. At the time, they were part of a friend's church, and maybe somehow they got connected with vineyard churches, and there was maybe a friend from the friend's church um, that they had met and had started getting interested in wanting to plant a vineyard. Oh, you said friend's church. Friend's church. I thought you said a fringe church. Fringe. (laughs) French evangelical. Friends evangelical. Gotcha. I think it's Quaker roots and Quaker. Um, And yeah, I think that's the church we went to after my mom and stepdad became Christians because, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think that's where we went. And then he went to seminary and then he came back. And then so we started doing like small groups at this these people's house and it was like a 45 minute drive 
And then we would drive up to like Woodbridge to go to a church, a vineyard church up there. So it's kind of an interesting time. So there was a point where you had never talked about Jesus and then all of a sudden Jesus was part of your household. Yeah, but I was pretty young. Um, trying to, th- my mom became a Christian when I, so it's an interesting story actually, but it was sometime between first and second grade. So my first and second grade, I was like the worst student, always in trouble. Did I, I mean, I remember my desk being by the teacher's desk. I got in trouble in first grade for scratching kids, which I never remember doing. It was like the weirdest like thing. And then by second grade, I was like the perfect student. Mm-hmm. And somewhere in there, I think it must have been August before second grade because it was my parents' anniversary. They became Christians at a while they were on their anniversary. And uh, at least my mom did. And then I think my stepdad came later. But so that definitely changed something in me. You know, I don't know. I was so young that I don't really remember a lot about it, mm-hmm. but I know it did something. Yeah. So what did you want to be when you grew up? So my parents told me I wanted to be a cashier. That was my uh, <laughs> job. I wanted to work at the grocery store. Are you trying to get money from everybody? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which I did, and not at a grocery store, but at other places that I worked along the way. Yeah. I mean, I didn't hate the jobs. It wasn't necessarily what I wanted to do forever. Mm-hmm. That's funny. <laughs> That's so you don't even remember that. So what did you want to be in high school? Then you didn't think about it. I I don't know really what I wanted to do. I kind of somewhere along the line in high school I wanted to work with kids, specifically girls, um, and which is what and ultimately led me into nursing, mm-hmm. which I had like I didn't really do what I wanted to do as a nurse. But for some reason in my mind, if I wanted to make money and do that, I needed to have like a profession like a nurse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know what I really, because I even, yeah, I didn't go to college right after high school, so I really wasn't sure what I was, what I wanted. Yeah. So what was the trajectory of your life? Like you said that when you were 17, you just started staying full time with your mom. Did you have like an angst to get out of her house too? Not really. I may have lived there until I got married. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that was at 21. I, you know, despite being, having a lot of kids in my family, my parents did a good job at spoiling me and I think my which probably why I wasn't a very nice person to my siblings but my my dad I was the only girl my mom I think had a lot of guilt about her getting a divorce and me not having like both parents full time and so like I had my own room for most of the time we there were six siblings and then well five most of the time unless Devin was there and I almost always had my own room like just stuff like that. So it wasn't a big deal. I had a car. She had gotten me a car when I was 16 because I was still going to college, I mean, high school in Mechanicsville. And we were in this, we were in South Richmond. So it wasn't, I had, you know, I had a fair amount of freedom because I, I really wasn't getting into trouble. So my parents weren't worried about me doing silly stuff. I was just thinking when I moved out of my dad's at 17, is I, it's almost like I had some freedom because I could go stay there if I wanted. Mm-hmm. So if I were in Mechanicsville with friends, I could just tell my mom I was going to be at my dad's for the night. So it kind of gave me like, you know, a little bit of like being grown up kind of early. So you were working or you weren't working? I started working at 16. Okay. I worked in a convenience store, which working that cashier. Yeah. Um, it was, it was an okay job. It was, it was almost like being introduced into a different culture because the other teenage girls that I worked with were very different than me. I was pretty, uh, I was a pretty good kid. I was very um, committed to doing the right things, whatever I thought with, you know, according to God were the right things, which Mm -hmm. sometimes that was a little off, but so like suddenly hanging out and like all my, most of my friends were pretty good like that, like-minded and then being around these girls and them talking sometimes about stuff. And I was like, I don't even know how to relate to this stuff. Yeah. It's just a very different world. Yeah. So were your was your mom and your stepdad the first believers in your family line? So my stepdad and my mom accredit my aunt and uncle to them becoming believers. Just their diligence and prayer for them over the years. And then their mom, my stepdad's mom was a believer. And then my dad's mom is a believer. And then I come from like beyond that, like missionaries and pastors and all kinds of stuff. 
but there was like a weird like kind of skip in the generation. Mm. So my mom's parents um, like were not really believers, but his my grandfather's grandparents were missionaries in China. And then my dad's side, my grandmother was definitely a Christian. I mean, I remember going to that was my earliest church memories are with her. But my stepdad, I mean, my my grandfather was, he just struggled forever. I think when he died, he was a believer, but he just had, just had a hard time. But he was a pastor's kid, and I think he got neglected a lot mm-hmm. growing up. And it just made, like when he was, before he died, he, he told me, he said, you know, my dad never told me he loved me. Like it was just something that we didn't do. So, you know, that had an impact on him and then my dad. And so none of my my dad and none of his brothers or sister are believers. And then I think I think my mom's siblings would consider themselves Christians. Yeah, but it was kind of it was kind of weird. Like my because my mom's parents were not believers. It was when them they became Christians. It was a it was a weird yeah I shock I for bet. them. And my mom was very zealous in the beginning. You know, very zealous. So. She was not afraid to say things to them mm-hmm. that they probably didn't want to hear. Yeah. So who told you about Jesus? Was it your grandma? So I think that what I would credit is my earliest memory. Um, my grand, my dad's mom, like going to church and just being kind of aware. I did like a evangelism, like kids evangelism thing. And that, that was when I was nine. And I became like I went up and like said the prayer or whatever. But at the time, I remember thinking, like, I don't really need to do this. They just had, like, some brochure that I wanted. Like, me not, <laughs> like, I don't need to do it. And, like, I'm not ready, but, like, I've already done it. Mm. So, like, I'm just going up just to get that, not because I actually need to say the prayer. So I don't ever remember, like, not believing in Jesus. Yeah. What are some obstacles you had to overcome? I like that question. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, my parents being divorced I had two stepmoms that were alcoholics and just not easy. Um, my mom, like I said, my mom moving to Kentucky when I was in third grade, that was tough. Thankfully, my dad's, I mean, my stepdad's mom kind of came and took me like every other weekend, mm-hmm. which ended up being like a beautiful, beautiful thing in my life. Um, she's definitely one of my favorite people that I've ever met. Um, Anyway, yeah, I mean, it was just, that was tough. We moved a ton. I think by the time I was 18, I'd moved like 20 sometimes. Wow. Just between the two parents. Yeah. What about some internal stuff that you had to deal with? Did you usually just stuff everything inside? So I went through a thing after my mom moved to Kentucky where I started having like panic attacks. And I mean, it it just, so there was a serious, something happened her moving and then we were somewhere and I got like a stomach bug and so I started having a fear that I was going to throw up every night and I would have to call my mom if I were at my dad's I'd have to call my mom she'd have to pray for me you know I started it I mean it was just every night Mm -hmm. like it didn't happen as much at at my mom's every night at my dad's and I couldn't spend the night at people's houses generally every now and then you know like I would have some peace and be able to but most of the time I'd have to come home yeah that got better a little bit when I became a teenager, but it was still really hard. I had a hard time. I mean, there were some really good times in that. Like, I learned to pray a lot during those times. But, yeah, that was, it was a little bit debilitating at times. My parents didn't really know what to do. And I'm not even sure they knew the extent of it because I just, you know, I didn't really talk to talk about it much. Yeah. And that just extended up, right? out into other things like yeah. anxiety yeah <laughs> worry yeah. yeah I mean yeah thankfully panic attacks are not something that generally happen at least to that by the time I'd graduated high school for the most part they were gone mm-hmm. um, I still would have mad anxiety if somebody was near me that had thrown up I would go kind of revert back to that a little bit and then it's actually probably only been in the last 10 to 12 years where that like it's not sent me into like flip me out if somebody like if I knew I was somewhere where somebody threw up I could be, just be like it'll be okay yeah if we get sick it'll be okay but yeah there was a time where I would like wouldn't even know what to do with myself yeah I definitely had general anxiety from from then 
I mean, it pro- probably had him a whole life, but like that's when it was like tangible about that time. And then, you know, I just always lived in kind of in a state of anxiety. Mm-hmm. What was a, a point in your life that things kind of changed? Was there any significant times? Like better or worse? Or? Right. Both. <laughs> Let's do two significant times. I mean, obviously things were worse whenever I started having those panic attacks. That's when things got real bad. I mean, I remember being 13 and not being able to like go to my cousin's house and spend the night. I, could, I think I could spend the night when she was at her mom's, but when she was at her dad's, I, like I couldn't do it. Yeah, it just was too it was too far away. It was too something and like, yeah, I mean, just like not being able to talk myself out of it and not being able to. I mean, like an an equivalent of that would be like I've been in line to get on a roller coaster before and literally when it got there, just walked right through and went to the exit because Mm -hmm. like I couldn't my anxiety had gotten so great that I was like, I'm not going to do this. So it's just getting worked up to the point of not being able to go back. Mm I trying to think of see what i'm remembering is you went out to california oh yeah yeah so that was after yeah after um college i mean yeah after after high school between high school and college Mm -hmm. yeah that actually was probably i mean that was big because i went from not being able to spend the night at people's houses to going to california i mean my mom came with me and she left and it was tough it was like i mean it was also another like huge culture shock you know i grew up very um Although the church I grew up in was not super like heavy legalism type stuff, I grew up under that self-imposed and I went out to California with people that loved Jesus but weren't like caring about dumb stuff like the music they listened to or, you know, whether you could get a piercing or whether you could have a tattoo. It was like mm-hmm. very, just very different. And actually that time I would say would be the beginning of the end in a sense, like the beginning of like actually... That sounds like a dun dun dun. I know. But like in a good way. You just dropped it on us. Like the beginning of, I don't know, I just, being in youth group, I was always like, I always felt odd because people would talk and I'd be, I'd want to talk about God or talk about something related to God or related back to God. And people are like, why are you doing that? Like, we're just talking about dumb stuff. Mm-hmm. And I've never been good with like small talk and stuff like that. So it's easy to, for me to just go into deep stuff. It feels more comfortable sometimes. Mm-hmm. But that was like the first time where like people actually loved Jesus and I could talk about Jesus and we could like be united on something. So it, why were you there? You haven't said oh, that. Um, <laughs> well, I was trying to find something to do after high school that wasn't college. I want to go to college. And there was a vineyard in Lancaster, California, that had a ministry call, school called The Ranch. And it was like three months and it was just kind of like an intensive of different speakers coming and we did like a little mission trip in Mexico and um, yeah, it was mostly just like living in community and serving on the ranch. So like I was like a housekeeper for the big ranch house. Some people were cooks. People did all kinds of different stuff. How but, did you interview to be the housekeeper? What were your qualifications? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I, well, I remember thinking like I am now an adult. I need to learn how to keep a house. So mm-hmm. this is what I'm going to do. Like I very specifically just like picked something that I knew was going to be useful for me in the future. Yeah. Of course, it wasn't like tidying a house. It was like, oh, the people are coming back to stay on the ranch. They haven't mm-hmm. been here in three months. You need to empty all the um, drawers out and get all the mouse poop and clean everything Ooh, <laughs> for yeah. them to come and enjoy. So it wasn't quite like keeping a house. It was you more. You weren't Alice from the Brady Bunch. Yeah. No, <laughs> I wasn't going and making beds after them and stuff. It was just like maintaining a level of dust you know not so much dust and then prepping when they actually came back to the ranch to live fun fact ryan's um mom and brother currently live in lancaster mm-hmm. which is crazy yeah because i didn't know where it was before <laughs> and then to like meet ryan and be like oh i've been there yeah it was wild <laughs> it was fun and it was a little taste of home for us because we left everyone when we moved here i mean we have no family around or anything at all so um, so you said it was the beginning of the end. Can you just tease that out more? That is a heavy statement. Yeah. Well, I think it was like, I always had a sense there was more, you know, there's just always more, there's always more. And this is kind of like more to know about God, about God, about living mm-hmm. life, being able to change, like not being stuck where you are, those type of things. But like, I, you know, I, I didn't. I, I don't know. I don't know if I missed a lot of things growing up or what, but 
it it's something I knew and I felt but wasn't living in or being able to like work through some stuff. I mean, I remember there was a a um, lady that came and she spoke and she's a she was a worship pastor with a worship leader within the vineyard, not a worship pastor. And um, she like spoke words over a lot of people. And one of the things she said, she's like, I see you as a kid, like looking out the window, watching the kids play in the yard. Mm -hmm. And I just remember being like, that's exactly, that's exactly what I feel like. I feel like I'm missing something, like there's something. And so from then it was like the journey of what that looked like. And it still was another, you know, 10, 12 years before I feel like I arrived at that place, but it kept me like being like, but there's more, but there's more like we can't settle for this. Like, I'm not going to settle for being anxious because I know there's more, you know, I'm not going to settle for being an angry person all the time because I know there's more. And, you know, it, I didn't know what that was for a long. I didn't know how to find that for a long time. Mm-hmm. I would have small victories, but I don't think it was like it wasn't until much later that like that stuff actually started to actually change. Yeah. Sometimes we get the promise ahead of time, mm-hmm. I think. Was there people there that you connected with? Was it hard to leave? It was hard. It was hard. Um, yeah, so I had made like three really good friends. They all lived in Oregon. Um, one of them was a guy that I started dating afterwards. And actually afterwards, rode, rode up with them to Oregon. And then I flew out of Oregon to come back home. And then I went and visited a few times. And then... You know, it it was hard in the beginning because I didn't know, like people, like I felt like I was on a different level with people there and then being here. And it was mm-hmm. it was kind of a hard transition. Um, so it was kind of nice keeping the connection during that time because like there, there was something um, that I could go back to and talk to and relate to like somebody. And then the one of the other girls that I connected to was part of his church. So when I'd go back, I would stay with them, you know, with her and could like, you know, just have there. It, it was kind of nice to have that down transitioned back into life and then move on with my life. Yeah. <laughs> so you jumped into nursing. What kind of schooling was that like? Um, so I went to community college, started off kind of slow, just did whatever. And I actually met Michael part of the way through that and then took a year off while we were getting married. It was basically, I'd finished all the prerequisites and had to do nursing school. So then I did that while I was married, the actual nursing courses. So he scooped you up fast? Yeah, it was quick. (laughs) (laughs) You walked into the door and you saw his hair blowing in the wind. Yeah, actually my first memory of him, because I was so like, even though I was still kind of dating Stephen at the time, I was like, I guess I just knew he wasn't going to be the person I'd spend the rest of my life with. And so I was constantly like, who? who's this guy that just walked through the door at church? Is he going to be the one? Is he going to be the one? I remember saying Michael being like, yeah, he's not going to be the one. (laughs) (laughs) Just for for some reason, I was like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not interested. Not into it. But I hadn't met him at that point. I'd just seen him from a distance. So you must have not talked to him because once he opens his mouth, he'll just say Uh sweet things, (laughs) sweet things to you. Well, that's kind of how things change because we actually talked. (laughs) So tell the story. So we actually had gone to a worship conference in Columbus, Ohio, and something is, there's so much to the story, but there, a situation was happening during one of the services, and it probably was partially like me just being overwhelmed by just like the Spirit of God, but there was something else going on, and I... Basically, there were two people that were doing something very sinful, and I was becoming very aware of it. And it was like, I I mean, like, I just didn't know what to do. So I, afterwards, everybody went to go. It was like a group of maybe six or eight of us, and they all went to go eat. And I just had to stay in the car because I literally could not stop crying. And so Michael came out there and hung out with me Mm. while they all went and um, to eat. And then afterwards, when we went back to the room, like I just sat out in the hall and he sat out there and he pulled out his guitar and played oh, songs man. for me. But that was like, that was months before we started dating. But that was like, and we didn't even talk all that much after, but that was the moment I was like, yeah, I could, I like this guy. <laughs> He's still singing to you yep. to this day. So when did God just crack you open, you think? After coming to Remnant. Okay. Um, yeah, I think 
I mean, I, I even spent the first two years at Remnant being like very hard hearted about stuff and not necessarily willingly, but just like I had just, I don't know. I mean, I got, you know, like you have hope that you can change and then you realize you're never changing. And it just took a long time for me to like let what the gospel really is like actually change me and transform me. And there were like, I mean, there were pieces, there were things that had to be broken down just the way that I viewed Jesus and the way he spoke in the Bible. I had such a negative view. He was very angry to me. And so being able to work past that and actually read his words as like grace and love and not just like him coming down on me like I'm a bad kid. So it was a lot. It was definitely it took me a second to kind of work through <laughs> through some of that stuff. How long had you because I have the worst memory. How long have you and Michael been married before we met? So we got married in 2002. So, so it had been a like bit. Five years. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like, I mean, some of our story, uh, how our stories weave together is we are Michael and yourself and then Ryan and I, I feel like we're all kind of pursuing life in Christ together and trying to figure that out. And there was a point <laughs> Yeah, because like I've already said, Ryan and I were very alone here in Richmond, and you became our best friends, as you mm -hmm. predicted. <laughs> and I can remember so many nights where we would like hash out serious topics and were like really trying to figure stuff out. Mm -hmm. And... Um, and just like listening to stuff together or listening to stuff separately and talking about it afterwards. And yeah, and then when we found Remnant, we were going to your parents' church for a while and... Uh, for a story another time, we, Ryan and I, um, left the church and then we kind of begged y'all to come, like begged you and you guys were resistant. And then finally, Michael agreed to come <laughs> by himself, I think, right? You didn't yeah, come. Yeah, the you first time it. he went by himself. Yeah, you wouldn't do it. And then after that, he went. But yeah, I remember even through all that, there were so many things we still continue to work on life in Christ together. Like mm -hmm. that never has stopped. And to this day, if you peeked in the window and our families are together, we're probably talking about pursuing Jesus. Yeah. And But that was one thing that I feel like we all wrestled through together, even with you. Like, I don't, God didn't leave you alone in that. That If we're talking about one specific time in your life where you were like, okay, I have a hard time with Jesus. And you finally opened up about that. And that I think that was probably a significant point in your life where yeah. you're like okay this is something I've never wanted to say before mm -hmm. and now I'm going to say it out loud and um why do you think you struggle to, to say that or think that or I I don't know I um I think part of it is just like a different you know like I was in kind of the same community my whole life and not really hearing and I'm not much of a reader so I didn't like expand by reading books with other ideas that I'd grown up with about Christ, um, I hadn't like read a, even like even just like a silly you know book about Jesus loves you so much. Like I didn't read stuff like that, so I had just not. And obviously, that's not silly, but you know what I mean. Kind yeah. of a fluffy, <laughs> fluffy book because so I just was kind of in what I was in, and I had a, didn't know how to deal with my sin. So I think I got caught there a lot, and it wasn't until like we started like wrestling with other things and like listening to other people like I would have never listened to stuff that was like outside of the vineyard like I'd heard mm -hmm. a lot of people speak and I would listen to people speak but generally it would have been within kind of the vineyard or the vineyards like and it you know and I worked at a Christian bookstore so it wasn't like I was completely closed to things but it still was limited and mm -hmm. like other other influences I was pretty cynical about a lot of other stuff as well I don't I didn't like fluff so that also didn't help <laughs> like I didn't want to just like get the newest like I don't know how like like the purpose-driven life which I think is probably a fine book but just like I'm like well if that's popular I don't want to read that like it yeah. just feels like like it can't be the 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 book although I did do think I read some of that but yeah I don't I mean, and they're just truly were ideas, like things that I had never heard. Mm -hmm. There were things about God that I'd never heard until like listening to Mark Driscoll. Yeah. And just being like, oh, wow. Like, or how to deal with your sin, how you can like not beat yourself up for being a sinner. Like yeah. I didn't, I didn't know how to not sin and I didn't know how to live as a sinner in Christ you know, like I didn't know what to do with my son when I sinned. It was all very tragic and too big for me. 
So mm-hmm. I just kind of just piled it on deeper because it was easier than, because I didn't know what to do. I didn't, literally didn't know what to do with yeah. my son. I was yeah. like, I don't know how to move past it. And I don't know how to be free from it and not feel the guilt of it. So, so when you read your Bible now, what what is precious to you about Jesus? I don't know. I just, I just see things. I mean, I just read like just his love for people and stuff. It's not, it's not like reading the Sermon on the Mount and being like, oh my gosh, I'm so such a sinner because I've done all these things wrong. It's like now reading it and seeing like him saying like, I want absolutely what's best for you. And I love you so much that I'm going to tell you these things, mm-hmm. you know, and like in them being it, because not all of it is just like, do this, don't do that. Cause you'll, you know, like, don't be anxious, you know, and like some of those things, like being able to see just the deep holistic care. Yeah. So yeah, even just like pulling that out, connecting Jesus to God, just, yeah. I mean, even if it's hard for you to answer or takes a minute, like, I just think it'd be fun for you to say some words of his character. I don't know. I didn't really grow up in this church, but kind of where people would say like Jaira God, or I don't even know mm-hmm. what are the other names yeah. <laughs> I should know, but, um, or God, he's my helper or my friend or protector. Or what are some of those character words? Did you grow up in a church like that, that where they had the Hebrew names? I feel like I was kind of, kind of like my church wasn't so much that, but I was connected with other churches that were definitely like more charismatic where that stuff kind of, or like I also went to youth group at a Messianic Jewish church. So there was some of that as well. Hmm. Um, I remember like hearing the names, like those names of God and remembering what they were at one time and. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe comforter? You know, I was thinking Holy Spirit, which I was like, that's not technically the name <laughs> of God. But I feel like I just, I mean, I grew up in a heavy Holy Spirit church. But like, and it's not that even the definition was fully wrong. Mm-hmm. I just don't think it was holistic in all the ways that the Holy Spirit really is and works in us and how that relates with God and with Christ and all of those things but just like the just the spirit of God like being with us always is like huge Mm -hmm. you know it's just a big deal yeah so I I forgot why my mind went down this path but it went down this path for a very specific reason yesterday and I was thinking about the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit and thinking about desire and I think you've heard me say on the podcast before if I should actually not just take words for granted. And so I started thinking about the fruit of the spirit and was thinking about the word kindness. And I'm like, okay, if I'm supposed to grow up to be like Jesus, I don't even know if I'm kind. I don't even know how to know it if I saw it because I don't think I actually really think about what it means. Mm -hmm. And so I, Ryan was meeting with Pastor Josh. And so I was like, ask, or and Brian, I was like, ask them to tell me what what's the Hebrew definition or whatever and then Josh said it kin Mm -hmm. and so the kindness of God and I'm like oh yes duh this was in a sermon not that long ago but the kindness of God is to treat you as family Mm -hmm. it's like being family I forget what we were just talking about obviously my mind is (laughs) I'm not doing a good job staying on track but I was just like oh that is so beautiful like that's the heart of God that's what part of what the Holy Spirit does is Oh, you said God is always with us. Mm-hmm. That's right. Okay. Yeah. And that's part of what he does. He's not just beside you. He longs for you to be family mm-hmm. and drawing you in. And it's it's kindness that's drawing you in to be family. And that's the heart of God. And I was just definitely worshiping yesterday, um, thinking about the word kin um, and kindness. <laughs> and I hope that he grows that in me, that I would, you know, treat others as family. So, um Anyway, there's something that you didn't say in your personality that Ryan, when I asked him, was like, what's one thing I should pull out about Ashley? And he had a couple of memories, but one of them is that you love to sing. (laughs) (laughs) Although I don't do it well, but (laughs) so everyone should know that for sure. And we've had some funny memories behind a, um, what is that game console called? I can't, a Wii, I guess. Mm -hmm. I don't even know. Yeah. Doing some singing things and some dancing things. (laughs) A lot. Ashley and I have seriously had a lot of Michael Jackson <laughs> dance contests. 
I always lost. I was going to say, if you catch me in a grocery store and a Michael Jackson comes on, I'm probably going to dance. Yes. So I always <laughs> lost to Ashley and Ashley always lost to Michael. So I'm just going to say yes. that. Yes. <laughs> and Ryan was definitely doing his own thing. <laughs> we got to dig that game up. That was so fun. I know. Um, yeah. So singing, what do you like to sing? Go ahead. Lay it out there. What do I like to just sing? Just lay it out. Uh, generally, it would be worship songs. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, the best times in my life are like being able to wake up with a worship song in my head. Because mm-hmm. the thing is, if if it's not a worship song, it'll probably be a song. And sometimes they're really dumb pop songs. <laughs> so I'd <laughs> much rather, I'd much rather wake up with like something uplifting and like that brings value to my life. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what are some things you cared about in the past that are hard to relate to now? I just totally dropped it out of nowhere. Uh, I mean, gosh, there's a lot of things. It could be internal or external. Like yeah. that something that you held as an identity that you're like, what was that? Why was I even? Well, I think the identity around being a creative person mm-hmm. or like creating things. You know, I love to create and I think that I do a decent job of like being able to do things. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I always have the creativity, meaning the original ideas, but I can replicate most anything. And I just thought for a long time, like that was going to be like where I would find my fulfillment in life would be selling what something I make or like learning this new hobby or whatever. And just kind of, it was a couple years ago, I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. Like I'm okay with not striving this year not making my New Year's resolution to sell stuff that I make. And I think that was just super freeing because it was like, I don't have to do this. I mean, do I still think about it often, like what I could do, but it's not a identity piece. It's not, you know, and some of that was worked out from being around people who do things better than me or being, I mean, kind of like the photography situation, like I loved it. And wanted to do it. And then I realized how many photographers there are. And I was like, I don't love it enough to spend time on Photoshop or whatever, just fixing things or doing my signature lighting look or whatever that Mm -hmm. I like to take pictures and I like it more in like an artistic type of way than an actual being like for weddings and stuff. And I don't do it as much as I would love to. I think I'd love to pick it up sometime and just take pictures of the flowers in my yard or whatever. But mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, that's a huge, it sounds little and maybe you won't even recognize and maybe you never know how big a shift that will be in your life. But I think anything that we pursue to like make ourselves great. And then if we lay that down, like that's no small thing in the kingdom of God because God loves to work through humble people and, um, so it's amazing how something like that, you don't know how much you opened up yourself to actually serving others. Yeah. Well, I think it's been helpful in having a home and being able to re like focus stuff. Like mm-hmm. I can be creative in how I cook or, yeah. you know, cleaning or I'm not a great decorator, but like just thinking about that type of stuff would be instead of it just being like me and my thing and what I do and how it brings me fulfillment. It can be for my whole family. Yeah. yeah. Different stuff. Let's see. Well, I feel like you didn't talk about Michael enough. <laughs> what else do you got about Not him? About how did he change your life? Oh gosh. I always like, you know, my thought of who I should be married to as, you know, a teenager, as a kid, like, I feel like he fits what I need despite sometimes like it, not being what I want (laughs) like you know he just is stronger than me like spiritually emotionally physically like there are things that I have needed over the years for him to to be able to assert his authority over me and I don't say that in like a I don't mean that in like a weird abusive way but in just like I can get very stuck and just living in some of my sin that I've become very comfortable with and him because, you know, if I were married to somebody very passive, my life would be very different. It would be very different because I want to run my life now. 
And it's not always good, the things that I want. But him being able to balance that out or even just him being faithful to God when it may have felt easy to give up at times. Like, I don't know that, like, I just feel like he's what I needed. Like, he's what God was like, this is what. I always joke, too, he's like, if we went to high school together, he would have been the guy I'd had a crush on. Hmm. He just fit, like, all the stuff, although by the time that I met him, I didn't care about those things, and he was kind of moving past those things in his life. But the musician, the skater, like, all the things that I would have been like, oh, Michael Clapp. So (laughs) it's funny how you get, like, the things that you want and you don't even realize. Yeah. Yeah, he is definitely a really strong strong man um let's see what else would i gonna ask you well but just it's not the case that he's stagnant either god is growing him too and you mm-hmm. he needs you just as much as you need him i think that's worth saying um i can see that <laughs> <laughs> i think he needed some uncomfortable he needs some uncomfortableness in his life sometimes to, yeah. to grow and to see god and there was just there was points um or maybe you guys didn't even see that as true of yourselves. And then you needed someone else to see that for you guys mm-hmm. and um, just fight for for your unity. And it's kind of, you know, that's not a story you have to share. But it's amazing how sometimes when we're in a situation and we can't see it, I don't know. What, what would you say just reflecting on how, uh, God's promises or just looking back on something that you're that maybe you didn't see when you were in the moment? Like, what would you tell yourself? <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of, like, growing that needed to happen along the way. But, because I'm not even sure, like, what in those moments when our marriage was really rocky, like, that I could have even convinced myself of anything. But I'm thankful that we stayed together. Mm-hmm. Because I think the beauty on the other side is amazing. Like it's it's hard now to remember the hard times, Whoa. which is yeah. like amazing because I lived in those hard times for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not that things don't come up that remind each of us of like when things were bad, but I think there's a level of forgiveness and love and um, what is the word like stick to it. like long suffering that's what I'm looking for that has taken place that you know there's just the benefits of that that you don't get when you give up too easily Mm -hmm. I mean and I wouldn't even say even if we'd given up at some point I don't know that it would have been too easily because it was basically 10 years of a very difficult relationship and I had a lot of growing to do and a lot of just needed to move in a different direction which is why I'm thankful for him never really giving up and saying like, no, we're going to move in a different direction. Um, yeah. Yeah. I feel like I, I wrote down my notes when did God crack you open because I feel like that's what happened to you and you're just not the same woman that I met in a lot of ways. Do you feel like far from that place? Like you said, you can't really remember the hard times so much. I mean, I think there's an internal struggle sometimes that feels like similar I think it's more like in a after the fact, oh, wow, I didn't respond that way that I would have normally, mm-hmm. or I didn't get offended by that, or I didn't feel a need to protect myself or defend myself because like, I don't even, I was definitely not aware of how like off I was in that stuff, how much it had a stronghold over my life to, I mean, like just, I mean, I can think of times just in our relationship of like, I go back and I'm like, who does stuff? Who says stuff like that? Like Mm -hmm. who has that type of relationship with people that, but in the moments I didn't, it felt very natural Mm -hmm. because it's just the way that I'd always lived. So to now look back and be like, oh, wow, I didn't get irritated by that. Or I didn't just respond out of anger to that, you know, and it's not that it's completely gone in every situation but it's like I'm not as afraid like because there's that period of like you do it and then you realize you're doing it mm-hmm. and then you become scared that you're gonna do it yep. and then you kind of like walk past and then one day go wow I didn't do it I think I'm beyond the like being scared that I'm gonna do it stage mm-hmm. which is 
very freeing because yeah. for a lot long time it was it was hard to be around people or talk to people or you know and some of this stuff has been relatively recent just mm-hmm. working through and how I view people and you know stuff like that um okay so is there anything else that you wanted to share about the soil you came from or that's an important part of your story that maybe I'm not privy to I don't I mean I don't I don't know I mean I think Probably the thing when I go back to like my foundation, my soil where I grew up, really just like my two grandmothers that really cared for me well. I mean, like my one grandmother that was my step-grandmother who, I mean, she took me in when my mom moved away. I mean, not fully, but like she spent a lot of time with me. And it's kind of a weird dynamic because she was my step-grandmother. And I remember when they first, when her and my stepdad first got, I mean, my mom's stepdad first got married, she would refer to me as her half, like half. She would say, I have this many grandkids and a half. Mm. And she would always tell me, and her daughter said, no, she's, she's your full grandkid. And it was like, she never, I would have never known she, that was even a thought. And I don't think that she felt that way. We actually were very close. And just having just like like a light and a stability in my life growing up I don't know just both of my grandmothers were just very different type of ladies than my mom or my stepmoms and it was what I needed beyond just the family I mean they really both were gifts to me yeah do you see the hand of God in your life can you trace it back (laughs) yeah I yeah for sure like I can't I mean, like I said, I don't remember ever not believing in Jesus. And I think I had a very faulty view of Jesus for a lot, for a good portion of my childhood into even into adulthood. But I think having that faith carried me through a lot. It gave me an anchor, essentially, like I had somewhere to go back to and something to rely on, even when I didn't even know exactly what that meant or who I was talking to. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot, a lot of people along the way. I think a lot of prayer. I like to think that my great grandparents and great great grandparents like prayed for me yeah. to be a Christian one day. I mean, I, I never knew them, but you know, like I just, they gave their life up to follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. So I feel like you would only want the generations to come. Well, if there's nothing else, we'll close um, with you honoring a woman in our church family and. So Ashley, it, it doesn't have to be a woman you know very well, um, or it could be a woman you know well, but uh, where have you witnessed or experienced Christ-like virtue from a woman in our church? And can you honor her and pray for her and close out our time together? All right, I wrote a little something because I figured I wouldn't be able to say anything on the spot. And then I'll... That's pray. cheating. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I write down all my notes too. <laughs> I, I had to, I had to. <sighs> This gift from God, this woman, has made a greater impact on me than almost any other human. Her willingness to follow the voice of God, sacrifice when it hurts, and dive deeply into the things of God have changed my life. Because of her influence, I am still married, have two amazing children, and am part of the most beautiful community. I am forever grateful and excited about all the years to come. Oh God, I thank you so much for Laura. And I thank you that you brought her into my life. God, I thank you for the things that you've put on her heart. I thank you for this podcast that you have, um, that you are driving and she is just, you know, following. Um, I pray that you would continue to bless this and the other things that she does. The, the growth in her family and every day that she walks with you and becomes a better mother and a better wife and a better sister and a better friend. God, I pray that you would um, continue to just give her a desire to go deep in the things of you, to just continue to be intrigued and excited about words that seem as simple as kindness. I thank you for that encouragement to me that in her doing those things. I pray that you'd be encouragement to so many other 
ladies in our church and people, ladies that are yet to come and her neighbors and just even the cashier at the grocery store, God, continue to use Laura and continue to um, just shine your light in her and that she would know that you're always with her, that she would know that you um, truly love her um, and that you want what's best for her even when life doesn't always feel good. Thank you. And I, again, thank you so much for her and her willingness to do things even when it doesn't feel good and it's uncomfortable. Thank you, God. Amen. Love you. Love you. Thank you for listening to the Whole Home Podcast, a podcast that displays the unity of sisters in the local church and the way God so wonderfully gives us to each other in our uniqueness and in our sameness for His glory. The stories we share weave together as one grand testimony to the work of Christ and His faithful presence in the garden of our lives. Remember, the Master Gardener is always at work, so let's yield to Him and grow where we're planted.